Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continue to broadcast from the U.S. Meat Export Federation Spring Conference in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Unfortunately, we've got some markets that had some interesting trades happening uh, once again. We're going to talk about why the markets higher in the morning don't seem to be able to finish off like that at the end of the day. Uh, weather is continuing to be a big concern, especially as we've got some very dry U.S. soils. And no surprise, the debt ceiling is still continuing to weigh on this market as well. But we do have some positive news. Cash is king for this cattle. Some great numbers, four to five higher in the north. So we're going to take a look what's all the factors in this market trade today as PJ Conrad joins us. PJ's with Tradeoffs. So let's kind of start out right now. Markets really started higher. We've seen that the last couple of days in the morning. And as you mentioned before we started this program, Program. It seems we hit the midday and it's it's out downhill slide. Yeah, you know, it's a, uh, the crazy part yesterday, what we traded up to 527 on the D's and then uh, traded down. We did close higher on the day yesterday, which was still encouraging. Uh, today, though, not the case. We were up, what, three or four there for a little while after the open, uh, finishing down four here at 516. So it's uh, about like the grind lower. I mean, that was an everyday down deal about four out of 22 days we were lower but the grind higher right now is we take three four positive days and some runs in the morning and then we kind of fall off but well tomorrow today's uh thursday we got one more day this week before we go through a long weekend and i really think we get post memorial day and it seems like trade really then shifts all their focus to weather uh then you're getting towards the end of the week here where a long weekend ahead of us seems like a lot of uh uh, uninterested trade would be a good way to put it too. Some people putting the coasters on for a long weekend, but uh, hopefully, I don't know. You look at the weather forecast at least for the next ten days. It's nothing to get excited about to the tune of any kind of moisture worthwhile, anyways. I was to say, do we see that kind of a checkout start to happen um, early tomorrow morning as this market focuses on, you know, this three-day holiday weekend? Oh, most definitely. It's. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if. T- you saw some of that today going home. You know, I think <clears throat> funds want to get squared up probably a little bit, not completely. They are very short. But I think you start getting these longer weekends and, and more weather volatility. It, you can't control what the market's going to do from there. So probably some checkout today or, you know, late trade today, tomorrow, uh, as we come to the Monday night open, then things will kind of get cranked back up. But like, I think the the weather will be the big driving factor here as we move into June. I think the interesting thing with all that, though, is Nebraska is very dry, Iowa is dry, Illinois, uh, Indiana maybe not as bad. And just if you look at some of the longer run type stuff, maybe Iowa has some chances after June 6th to catch some rain. But, you know, longer term, are they going to stay dry? Is Illinois, Indiana still spotted to stay dry? It sounds like past the 6th, kind of into the 15th. Um, it's a fun time of year where different different weather runs can cause different uh, market reaction. Uh, so call that fun, call that crazy, but that's the environment we're in here as we move through the next 30 to 45 days. You know, PJ, a lot of folks know I love the color maroon with my, my Minnesota gopher ties, but I just pulled up the latest U.S. drought monitor, and I don't like the maroon color that is on this map. I mean, it's right over where I live. Um, it's hitting a lot of producers there in the eastern part of Nebraska, and then a big chunk of what we see in, in Kansas as well. So how much is the latest drought monitor and these continued monitors, do you think, are we going to have to wait till after Memorial Day for the markets to really pay full attention? It sure feels that way. I mean, I don't, and even then, I don't know how much uh, it really, I mean, it plays into account, right? Because uh, we can't be 
extremely dry in the I states, but as far as Nebraska, I just don't know. And I understand that there's very big issues, even with the irrigation. We're not going to have record yields in Nebraska unless we get some rain. So I'm not discounting that, but what I'm saying is I don't know how much trade plays that into account when you look at our irrigated acres, because it's not going to be, it's going to draw down national yield, but it's not going to draw down to, you know, 75 bushel an acre on your irrigated, most likely. Well, looking, so I just don't know. Yeah. I would say, obviously, looking out into the into the June, a lot of folks think that this weather might see a change uh, come with it as we do the the flip with you know La Nina and El Nino. I think it'd be welcomed by everybody. I mean, market aside, I don't. Every farmer you talk to would take maybe flat and to lower prices. Even not that you want to say you want lower prices, but if it meant some uh, break from this drought, and if you're, I got guys that are saying we're on our third pass with the pivot already, and it's. May 25th, you know, our dry land corners are burning up. I mean, these are conversations you have uh, June 25th, July 25th, not May 25th. So um, a weather pattern change would be wildly beneficial and uh, probably mental health savings as well. But it's just the environment we're in, and hopefully in a perfect world, we get enough of a drought scare to run this market back to somewhere between 550 and $6, and we'll see where the chips fall but i do think you gotta be proactive in some form or fashion because if anything the last month has shown us 490 is a real number by 450 to 470 is a real number that can happen if we raise a decent crop here so there's a pretty wide variation uh depending on where this yield comes in at so say you get a 182 yield that's a 2 billion bushel carry out you get a 173 that's more like a 17 call it and uh, you know a 173, all of a sudden you're you're back in the one three type area. So I guess what I'm getting at is there's a lot of moving components to this, and the difference probably between say this year and last year. Last year we were still in such a demand driven market that it was easy for us to keep clipping higher, right? Because our demand was good, and we needed to have a good crop to fulfill that demand. This is a supply scare uh, market where our weather runs can change the supply situation or potential supply situation. And typically, historically speaking, supply scare markets are a lot shorter lived on rallies than your demand driven ones or longer big base building type rallies. Stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell from the USMEF meeting in Minneapolis, listening to the Rural Radio Network. As you've probably heard, there will be some changes coming for Fontenelle Hybrids. Bear Crop Science has announced Fontenelle will be joining 10 Bear Seed brands to launch the new Enhanced Channel Seed brand. You'll get the same excellent products and service you come to expect from Fontenelle, along with expanded product offerings and increased agronomy support. You'll still be able to purchase your trusted Fontenelle products for 2024, and rest assured we'll work hard to continue to earn your business through this transition. Read and follow pesticide label directions, green marketing, and other stewardship practices. Fontenelle and Channel are trademarks of Bear Group. KRBN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation this afternoon with PJ Conrad. Of course, PJ's with Trados, and we left off talking about what's happening uh, weather-wise, and we got to look to our to our farmers to the south. And, uh, and harvest is underway, and I'm hearing for the most part some some decent um, crops coming in. Um, have you heard any preliminary numbers? I've just heard a little bit of chatter through social media. 
Uh, you're sorry. You're talking the Argentina yeah. crop or the the Safrina crop, and yeah, I think they're what they said their harvest is off to twenty six point six percent completed, which is a record slow. Um, the USDA had their average yield at five point five two metric tons, and they're coming in more at four point six. And I'm not that fast at math, or I tell you what that means in bushels an acre. Uh, it's a little bit lower, though. Uh, I think their total crop estimates from uh, the Argentina, whatever, grain exchange down there was roughly 1 to 2 million metric tons lower, or, yeah, 3 million metric tons lower than, say, what USDA is at. So there's probably a little bit of a reduction there. is isn't enough to move the needle. I mean, I think the, probably the big piece is, is China going to keep buying from them? Are they going to try to buy more from them? What's all that look like um, as we move forward here? Um, some of the what soybean production down there, just to touch on that, uh, Argentina soybeans were coming at like 22 bushel an acre. So that's pretty, pretty uh, frustrating for those people. And 78% complete on that. So a lot of moving pieces. But I think and we've talked about before, Susan, is the whole South American crop is always going to continually be a thorn on the U.S. producer's side as we move forward because it's another competitive source. Um, and you can say what you want about quality and logistics, but people, money talks. So if they can buy it cheaper from South America, they're going to, when they, uh, at all possible, it's like China canceling things, are they covering their needs? to hedge themselves against a short South American crop and then they spin out of it and buy a, you know, buy a cheaper South American crop. That's probably normal, somewhat normal trading practices. So China, China will do what they're going to do, but at the end of the day, their goal is to buy the cheapest possible commodities they can to feed their people. And I don't think the U.S. would act any different if we had to import uh, loads of bushels either. What's your thought on the debt ceiling and how it's going to weigh in on agriculture? That is a fantastic question I've been trying to figure out, Susan. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's like, I don't know how that all plays a factor other than it's probably not great for the economy. And if the economy tanks even more or or takes a deep uh, correction, does that money just go to the sidelines? Does it come over to commodities? Does it mean like, oh wait, you saw the you know economy collapse, and then so followed uh, commodity markets as well? And so there's probably some of that. You know, the, what the theory is too, if the debt ceiling doesn't go through, we're going to have to keep in, raising interest rates, rates which they're already talking in June, another potential 25 uh, basis points higher. So. None of it's real exciting, I should say, like outside of the uh, um, potential crop scares that are bullish the market. The outside markets aren't very exciting. What crude oil down uh, hard today, I think I read, and maybe I dreamt that up, but yeah, down two, uh, just about two and a half bucks. Oh, is that right? Sorry. No, you're good. Uh, wrong quote. Yeah, wrong quote. Yeah, we're down two and a half, 71.66 on uh, the July board, so... Some of the macroeconomic things aren't necessarily overly uh, bullish, but we have good ethanol margins. I mean, domestic demand's good, so it's not all doom and gloom. I think we've been penciling in a record U.S. crop and a record South American crop. You're seeing a little bit of slip in the South American, you know, Safrina crop, and here, 
know, when you start with such a high water mark, unless we have perfect growing conditions throughout, this crop most likely gets smaller until we level out into harvest. And so that's the, the big question is what's this next, uh, whatever, June 10th WASDE report? What do we show on that for yield? I think that's the moving target is 181 or is it 171? And we're not going to know that for a while. But that's uh, as for conversation, and that's what trade needs is some unknowns, maybe add some risk premium to it. Very much so. Well, as we get ready to wrap up real quick, what's your thoughts on this cash cattle market? That's on fire, um, and I'm here for it. It's, it's a good thing to see. You know, the cattle market's really been resilient in the face of everything going on around it. I mean, uh, June's trading at, what, 167, putting new highs today. You just don't, it seems like we get small corrections in the cattle market, um, and then we turn around and run back higher. So all good things. I think you look for stronger cash trade as we go throughout. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, PJ? Uh, you can call us at uh, 402-858-7529 or find us on any social media platform at Tradeoff LLC. All right. That's today's Fontenelle Final Bell, as we always remind you. Commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.